0: we got a lot of different things coming at you today okay and i'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now that you don't got time for that all right let's go crank it crank it Woo! ladies
1: and gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and i need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen
2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I had the pleasure of attending the Lance Leipold introductory press conference earlier today. And I couldn't help but leave feeling like the grown-ups are in charge once again with the Kansas football program and really the Kansas athletic department as a whole. Listening to Travis Goff and Lance Leipold speak felt like a bit of a deviation from what we were used to under the previous AD and the previous head coach. And listen, it's important to note like the whole winning the press conference idea gets overplayed. And I mean, I said that it was tough to not be impressed with Jeff Long at his introductory press conference. I said that the last miles hired that... How could you hate how could you hate on this hire? How could you possibly paint this as a bad thing? Well, now we have the answers to those questions. But over the the years that would follow the hiring of Jeff Long and, and Les Miles, it became more and more apparent that these guys were not to be trusted and they weren't. Today, I guess I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm ready to be duped again because if these two guys, Travis Goff and Lance Leipold, aren't the real deal, then I'll have to eat crow again because I'm listening to what they're saying and it feels like the grownups are in charge again. It feels like, you know, you're not a parent, but if you are if you are a parent and you have a, a kid and you, you finally start trusting a babysitter, right? When you have a newborn, you never want anybody else to watch it. And then finally you convince yourselves, we deserve a night out. Let's go out and and have some fun with some friends. Let's go out of town. Let's go do this. And so you trust a a babysitter and maybe it's a 16 year old girl and you're kind of worried that she's going to be on her phone the whole time. And you're worried that she's not going to pay close enough attention and that the kids are going to be running around doing whatever they want. And maybe she's going to have her friends over and they're going to have a little bit of a party. And you're worried the whole time. And you come home and you're just freaking out. You can't enjoy yourself when you're out because you're so concerned about what's going on back at your home with the babysitter. It's like a, there's a new babysitter now. And this babysitter has been a babysitter. She's a 60-year-old she's woman. She's been babysitting for 40 years. She's the number one Yelp-reviewed babysitter online. And everybody who's ever had her babysit their kids has nothing but glowing reviews. That's who Lance Lightbold and Travis Goffar for Kansas Athletics. It's really tough. Even if you think that they may not be great, it's really tough to sit there and listen to them talk and not be impressed, at least comparing them to the previous regime, and maybe that's just it. Maybe it's that when you compare them to the guys who were in charge before, it's hard to not be impressed, and it's hard to not link the head coach to the AD much like we did with Jeff Long and Les Miles. Lance Leipold said today, and we're going to play you his comments in their entirety coming up here in a bit. It may take us a few tries because there was about 40 minutes of them. But at one point he said that when the job opened, when the KU football job opened, the athletic director job was not open. And he said, quote, I was interested. When the athletic director job opened, I was more interested. And that can be read two ways. The first of which, which is certainly the more sensational version or interpretation of that quote, Is that the second that Jeff Long was removed from the athletic director chair, that job became more attractive to Lance Lightbolt? Is it because of the removal of Jeff Long or was it because there was a chance to start fresh with another guy who was starting fresh? Was there a chance to start fresh with somebody else who was going to be in a very similar situation to you, therefore was going to be very, very, very invested in your success? Because we know that to be the case with Travis Kopp. He's a first-time AD. There's a lot hinging on Lance Leipold being successful. There was a lot hinging on Travis Goff to get that higher right. Because even if you were more well-liked and more well-received than Jeff Long was, which at this point you probably are, Jeff Long had experience. You could say it wasn't positive experience, but at the very least, it was experience to the point where you'd say he's done this before. He kind of knows how this goes. With Goff, that wasn't the case. But by all indications, he conducted an extremely thorough, well-rounded, and professional coaching search that came up with a guy who, regardless of who you asked, seems to be a grand slam hire for the University of Kansas. The fact that Kansas was able to go out and get a guy who's won, what, six national championships at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater that went to Buffalo, which was Kansas of the MAC. Right? That's, a, that's an easy way to say it. Buffalo football is Kansas football, except not Power Five. They had no momentum. They had no foothold in the MAC conference. And all they did was go to three consecutive bowl games, won two in a row on his way out. He won two of the last three MAC Coach of the Year honors. And he said it today. I'm not someone that's moved around a lot. But I knew the fit here was perfect. When we play this audio, you're going to hear a lot of buzzwords. Uh continuity, stability, integrity, fit. Those are the words you're going to get you're going to hear get tossed around a lot. But it rings true. You know, it's funny going back and I I, I don't know why I did this. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I went back and I watched about 20 minutes of the Les Miles introductory press conference. What do you remember about that press conference? Not much, if anything. The only thing I remember was him emphasizing recruiting a lot and the, I think I'm having a heartfelt. Do you remember that? When he said, I think I'm having a heartfelt.
0: That was the introductory?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, I feel like all those moments bleed together for me. But, yeah, I do remember the heartfelt thing. You go, what?
2: What is he trying to say there? There was nothing like that today. There was nothing like, what is this guy trying to say? In fact, you know exactly where Lance Leipold stands and what he wants to accomplish at Kansas. You know what else I didn't remember about the Les Miles press conference was that on multiple occasions he said, this team is close. He said, this team is one or two classes away from being something really special. There was nothing like that today. There was nothing about, this team's got a ton of talent. I'm excited to go to work. Wow, there's success right around the corner. Just stay patient. There was no pleading There was no, hey, please stick with us. We're going to come on. We got something special. Nothing. It was, we're going to get to work. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, you hear this all the time with like the New England Patriots
0: and it kind of gets overplayed. I guess you hear with Joel and Mead, the idea of the process, right? That you don't value the results. You don't value the, it's not that you don't value them, but you're more worried about the process, how you're doing things, how you're approaching practice, how you're approaching each and every day than you are with the win-loss result. And that was something that, I kind of get from Lance Leipold. It was something that he kind of instilled on the players. I I saw an old video that was uh, tweeted out by Shane Jackson for the Lawrence Journal World a week or two ago uh, about like a a Buffalo offensive lineman who was speaking to the media, and he was talking about that, how just, you know, we're not really focused on the win-loss results. Like, it's coming as nature of us just focusing on the process and focusing on working hard, doing the right thing each and every day. But that takes time to develop that culture. So it almost feels like, You look back and and see the Les Miles and Jeff Long thing and go, this is almost like a hype man, you know, who's trying to hype up the program, who's trying to get ticket sales, who's trying to get people to buy the season tickets, all that stuff. Whereas this is more about a culture shock. This is more about, no, we need to change things here. And it's not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to say that we're a recruiting class away or that we need to recruit, 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 or that we need, you know, a couple big classes to come in or a couple JUCO transfers to come in. No, this is not about that. This is about changing the culture of the players, the staff, and everybody involved with Kansas football.
2: Yeah, I love this quote. This is going to be the quote that sticks with me the most from Lance Leipold earlier today. He said, quote, it's not overly complicated. It's going to take some work. Right? It's it's not about, okay, the, here's the formula and we got to recruit. You know, David Beatty came in and talked about recruiting the state of Texas. That's new. He came from Texas. A&M. He was a wide receivers coach. He was a recruiter. What did he know? Recruiting this Texas. So what was he going to bring to Kansas? Recruiting the state of Texas. There wasn't any of that today. I mean, he was asked specifically about what are, you know, how important is it to go out and recruit kids from the state of Kansas and recruit kids from the bordering states. And he said, it's very important. But he didn't offer that up without having to be be asked about it. When he was just sort of going, again, it was the, it was the buzzwords. It was continuity, program builder. Travis Goff, I don't know how many times he said program builder today. He said the word integrity. He said the word player development. He said the word fit. That was stuff that came up over and over again. You know why? Because those those phrases aren't specific to one job. They're not specific to Kansas. They are specific to to turning around a program with absolutely nothing going for it. And people always like to point out stuff to me like, oh, but they've got this and they've got some talent on the roster. None of that matters. None of that matters. There's already going to be, I I know there's already a few guys who have decommitted or guys who have uh, reopened their recruitment. There's going to be more. There's going to be more. And while if those numbers begin to pile up, you start to say, okay, well, what's really going on here? That is the cost of doing business. That is the cost of hiring a new coach. There are going to be some guys leave. And that's okay. And you hope you retain some of your better players. Like, yes, there are talented players on this roster. But the idea that, like, Les Miles saying, well, there's some t- there's some pockets of talent and we're one or two classes away from accomplishing something, that's not the case here. It's not the case for a guy who is taking over in early May of this football program. Like, there's not a lot of time. You basically get the next month to retain and recruit, right? You get the next month to figure out who you're going to retain to try and convince the guys that you want to stay to stay and to go out and and start recruiting before you really have to sort of buckle down and get ready for next season. It's a short timetable. And this is a guy who gets a six-year contract. And I think it's $2.2 million, which is a significant, a significant raise from what he was making at Buffalo. And it makes sense, right? You're going to come take over for KU. And according to reports from The Athletic, there were certain uh, stipulations involved with the hiring process, such as they wanted a certain percentage of the old staff to be kept in place. And I would imagine that's more of a financial thing than anything else. We'll give you $2.2 million, but you can't just completely revamp the staff. And I think, you know, Lance Seipold said today, he he didn't go out of his way to say, I'm, I'm looking to as simple as that, but what he did say was that this is not going to be something that he's going to do for one year. He's not going to keep around this coach or that coach just because it's going to make him better in one year. He goes, when you do rebuilds, you don't do something for the sake of one season. You do everything for the long haul. Everything. And that's something that has absolutely not been the case under... Les Miles, under David Beatty, under Charlie Weiss. We're going to get to know more about Lance Leipold. I'm going to play you some of his introductory press conference audio from earlier today, coming up next. After that, we'll hear from Rachel Lindsay. She covered Lance Leipold at the Buffalo News when he was at Buffalo, and uh, she can help us get to know the new guy who's taken over for the Kansas football program. We'll do that coming up later on this hour. This segment is brought to you. By Cycle Zone Power Sports. You might have noticed something strange outside. There's a little more green in the yard. That grass needs a trim and soon. Cyclezone Power Sports in North Topeka has a brand of riding mowers made right here in the U.S. of A. They're bad boy mowers made a few hours from here in the Ozarks. They're zero-turn mowers, so they drive like a speedy little tank, and they're re engineered to be strong, long-lasting, and easy to maintain. Turn a chore into something you love. Mow with an attitude with the brand new bad boy mower from Cycle Zone Power Sports. I'm Nick Schwartz. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk get
0: your car washed because it's probably dirty right now whether it's you know washing all the germs out you want to get obviously the germs out of your car but also you want it to look really nice go to tommy's express car wash it's wash rinse repeat with tommy's and guess what they have an app it's the tommy club app so download it i know you have a smartphone so you're going to be able to download apps you don't have a flip phone if you're listening to this podcast i'm just assuming that and if you do more power to you but if you do then you're missing out on this great deal, because if you download the Tommy Club app today, you're going to enjoy endless washing for one low price. Endless washing for one low price at Tommy's Express Car Wash. That's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane at Tommy's. Unlimited access to all the Tommy's locations, and there are a lot of them. Unlimited guest service, most importantly, unlimited happiness. That's a Tommy's Express Car Wash.
2: Head coach number 41, I believe the 41st full-time head coach. There were more than a handful of interims along the way. Lance Leipold, by way of Buffalo, is the new head coach for the Kansas football team. We're going to let you hear more from him. We played you some of the uh, introductory statements earlier today. Uh, We're going to get to uh, the Q&A section because I think there's a lot of uh, really interesting nuggets there that are going to be insightful for uh, what... Lance Leipold's plan or blueprint is going to be once he starts to get to work, which I'd imagine he's doing right about now. But first, I want to figure out why he's the guy. And in order to figure out why, you know, Travis Scott said, we got our guy. Travis Scott said, he's the right fit. The ideal fit was the exact phrase there. In order to, to figure out why he's the ideal fit, we have to figure out what he did at his prior spots. And we know at Buffalo, back-to-back bull wins, their first two bull victories in program history. He turned around a program that didn't have a whole lot going for it. And I want to talk more about Lance Leipold's time at Buffalo with Rachel Lindsay. She is a reporter for the Buffalo News. She covered Coach Leipold during his time at Buffalo, and she joins us now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Rachel, hello. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for
3: having me on. I just want to tell the listeners... My husband's a Kansas alum, so we got a lot of love for Lawrence wow. and Massachusetts Street and Allen Fieldhouse.
2: There we go. Okay. I had no idea. I had no idea there was a, a KU connection there. So.
3: It's just a small world. All roads lead yeah. back to Lawrence,
2: don't they? <laughs> it does. Yeah, very small world. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us today. I want to start first with just sort of overarching. If you were to describe to somebody who had no knowledge of Lance Leipold's time as the head coach for Buffalo football, how would you go about doing that?
3: Lance Leifold builds programs into winners. He did it at Wisconsin Whitewater Division III school where he played football and basketball. He was a star athlete in the 80s there. I think he went 109-6 and six during his time at Whitewater, won several national championships or had them play for national championships. He came to Buffalo. It was before my time. I was covering the Big Ten at the time, but you know, he came in and... You know, people were like, "Well who is he's a Division three candidate. What, what's he gonna do? And the A and Benny White almost took a flyer on him, but knew this guy had a way to build programs, not just winning on the field, but being successful off the field. I had written a story, I know it was shared by a lot of Kansas alums and Kansas fans about what Lance was able to do at Whitewater. He's very resourceful. One of the things he did, he spearheaded fundraising campaigns to help you know, refurbish the, the locker room there. He went, through, he went to donors, to former fighters, you know, boots to the ground. And when he came to Buffalo, he wanted to put that same construct into place. It was not easy to do it here. I believe UV went five and seven his first year here. Then went two and ten his second year here. And he got to the point where he was like, gosh, if I lost people, you know, but he really stuck the course. And in 2017, the team went six and six. They gained bowl eligibility, but were not picked for a bowl game. But then they really saw the fruits of labor come together in 2018. They had a great quarterback in Tyree Jackson. Uh, they had a couple of really good running backs in Kevin Marks and Jared Patterson, and the team just soared. They had a really good schedule. They beat Rutgers, and they you know say what you will, Rutgers, but <laughs> you know, that was a big win for the Maxes. To know do win that game, you know they um, won at Temple that year. You know no slouch there either. But you really saw kind of the, the, you know, the process paying off, if you, if you will. And even though they lost Tyree Jackson after that season, he decided to turn pro. One thing Lance did, he looked at his personnel, looked at his coaching staff and said, hey, let's pivot. Let's do what makes us successful. And they've been competitive ever since. They had a little bit of a shaky start in 2019, made the Bahamas Bowl and won, won there. They beat Charlotte. And this year, even though COVID-19 put the clamps on a lot of things, it didn't stop Buffalo from winning, and they were productive. They had made another MAC championship game. They made a bowl game. So you just really saw what Lance do crescendo here. And it did not surprise me at all that he would take a P5 job. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when.
2: You know, I know a lot of KU fans, they think back to Turner Gill, who was a previous Buffalo coach KU had hired. He didn't have nearly the track record or the level of success that Lance Leipold had at Buffalo when he was there in the mid to late 2000s. I know you said that it was before your time when Leipold was hired back in 2015, but can you give us a like just like a brief primer on what Buffalo football was like before Lance Leipold got there and even in the early years of his tenure?
3: Yeah, Buffalo entered the uh, FBS level late 90s, early 2000s. In fact, it's interesting. They're, they're one of their first quarterbacks. Father Joe is now a priest in the Pittsburgh area. A uh, really fun story. But the program just struggled. They, uh, they you know, they, they were competitive in 2008 under Turner Gill. Uh, they were competitive again in 2013 under Jeff Quinn. And they had made a couple bowl games. Khalil, Khalil Mack came out of the program as a first-round draft pick in 2013. But there wasn't sustained success. It was kind of like, you know, an up-and-down, up-and-down. It was like a roller coaster, if you will. And that was one of the things that with Buffalo, their their basketball program, men's basketball program has become very successful. Their women's basketball program under Felicia Legat-Jack has also become very successful. football was kind of not the front door of the school basketball was. And one thing that Lance did, especially in the last you know, four years, which really brought football to the forefront. And you know, I also give you know the fact that they, this team was so productive as well this year. I mean Jarek Patterson, the running back who you know was close to setting NCAA records, set an NCAA record for you know, tied I should say, for single touching game, put a lot of national attention to the program. And that pays dividends, not just for the football program, but for the school and for the community. So it was just it was just it, Lance brought stability, He brought stability. He brought consistent winning. And as UB is looking for their next, next coach, you know, that's what they want to do. And that's Lance's challenge now at Kansas as well. I mean, I know Kansas football. I remember watching them when they went to the orange bowl. You know, I, I was in Lawrence when all of that happened, visiting family and friends, but Kansas wants to get back to that. It's been a while and Lance is going to have to build up now. And I think, Lance and Turner are in very different situations. Turner came into a program that had had success. He could have continued to build that, but instead everything cratered. Now, Lance kind of can start from the ground up, bring his own blueprint, and build up. I I think Lance is in a better situation.
2: Yeah, I I would agree 100%, and and maybe some of that is is expectations, but he he certainly does have uh, maybe a little bit more flexibility. Um, than -hmm. Turner Gill did when he got here. We're talking to Rachel Lindsay here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Every coach that we've seen hired from Turner Gill to Charlie Weiss to David Beatty to Les Miles, every coach who gets hired preaches culture. They all preach it, but in in the case of Kansas, we've seen very few of them actually uh, be able to establish or maintain that said culture. How would you describe the culture that Leipold built at Buffalo?
3: You know, Lance is a very meat and potatoes guy. What you see with him is what you get. It It involves openness. It involves honesty. It involves looking at the players, not just as players, but as people, looking at their families, building trust with them as well. You know, when things get hard, don't dog out people either. You know, there's so much involved with accountability. It also goes into recruiting as well. They look for certain type of players. They're going to have a very big geographic reach as well. You know, there's very much an issue of, of character there as well. It also takes patience. It's also understanding we're not going to win right away. You know, we may, I shouldn't say we're not, but we may not win games right away, but it's going to be tough to bring that in. So it, it, it's going to require a lot in building that culture, but it takes a buy-in. It takes getting everybody's trust in the program and being on that same page.
2: Now, I'd imagine, I don't know this for a fact, I'd imagine um, upstate New York, the Buffalo area, probably not a recruiting hotbed, you mentioned, um, getting creative and expanding the geographical reach recruiting-wise. What sort of tactics did, did did Coach Leipold and his staff have to employ to, to put together these recruiting classes?
3: It was... Look at those geographic areas, where they're coming from. Jarrett Patterson from the Baltimore-Washington area, the DMV, as it's known in recruiting, huge area. He went into Florida as well, went into the Midwest. Tyree Jackson from a very small town in, you know, in western Michigan, goes into Ohio, you know, did get some guys from western New York. Malcolm Kuntz, who just got drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders. He's from the Hudson Valley. But another thing Lance does, I mean, let's face it, at Buffalo, he wasn't going to get the four- and five-star guys. But he knew and his staff knew also where to look in recruiting. And they said, you yeah, know, we can't get the biggest guys and the fastest guys, but let's get the guys that are going to fit into us who are going to develop. They, they recruited a lot of potential. Kansas, as we know, Big 12, completely different game. Recruiting is almost its own sport in those Power 5 conferences. I remember in Michigan, half of our coverage was recruiting when I covered the Big Ten. So, I mean, that's another thing. He's going to have to get resourceful and get creative in recruiting as well.
2: Talking to Rachel Lindsay of the Buffalo News for a few more minutes here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, you mentioned he's a, he's a meat and potatoes guy. Do you, you mean that as a coach or as a person? Like, what's the reputation that he carries as a guy?
3: I would say, personality wise Definitely, Meat and potatoes die. What you see is what you get. There's no pretense. There's, an, you know, it, which which I believe that's an auth that that's authenticity as well. You know, I've seen coaches. I've seen the Jim Harbaugh's and the Urban Myers, Fitzgeralds of the world, with bravado and everything you know, a little bit. And when I went from covering the Big Ten, to UB, I found it very refreshing with Lance. You know, I I, I just said, okay, you know, I. I can handle it. I, and I remember about a year, year ago, right before the pandemic began, I did a sit-down with him in his office. We talked for about 15 minutes on the record. He answered my questions. And then we talked for another 20 minutes off the record about where we had traveled. So it was just kind of building that relation, working relationship with him as well, which I think is also very important. He was very good at trying to find common ground with people. Also. Like, let's talk about your family. Let's talk about your vacation. Let's talk about getting to know this so it was you know it was was very good and that's really what you know that's really what it is you know there's 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 no pretense about leon but whether it's as a coach or as a person
2: so when you look big picture rachel at this this job that he's about to embark on and i know you know you you, i'm i'm sure you're aware of kansas i don't know how aware you are of you know the specific shortfalls and, and the shortcomings that they've had over the past decade plus but i know you're familiar with the challenges that were there when when Buffalo like I, I've kind of viewed this as I wonder how much of the blueprint that he that he used so successfully at Buffalo do you think is applicable to what he's about to embark on and which areas do you maybe look at and say okay that's going to be a little bit different and maybe he's going to have to to alter and make some adjustments there Yeah, you
3: know, I definitely think he'll take a lot of that blueprint to Kansas but I think it's also going to be about learning and adjusting to the challenges that he faces. Again, I mean, the dead period ends, what, the end of May. Recruiting opens up June 1st. I think that's one big area where he's going to have to learn to recruit against the Texases and Oklahomas of the Big 12. You know, and, and, and you know, Iowa State, Matt Campbell's built a great, great program there as well. I think he's got to embrace the community as well. Too. One thing about UB football, I mean, Western New York is, is the Bills are a religion here, not Bulls. They, everybody loves the Buffalo Bills here. That's that's a that's a given here. So they were kind of in the, you know, the, on the secondary a little bit. So, and I think he's going to have to learn to work with the attention that's going to be given. There are going to be high expectations externally because then Kansas has been losing for so long, we bring in this guy who's won, and we're going to expect him to win as as well too. And I, I think he's got to go out and really, um, trying to find the right word. It's, you know, be around Lawrence. find out, you know, what's like, talk to the students, you know, talk to people on campus as well, really become the face of the program. Because when you look at these big programs and you look at these p well, who ultimately is the face of the program? It's the coach. And you know, there's a lot of weight Lance has got to carry, but if he's got a lot of humility, again, there's no pretense. I think he's up to this challenge.
2: Well that's exciting news for uh for KU fans because he certainly he looked the part, he sounded the part earlier today, Rachel, and we've said that about a few coaches before, but this one just it seems different on the surface. And uh, I hope you're right and I hope I'm right as well. She is Rachel Lindsay. You can check out her work in the Buffalo News. There's a great piece up there. I think it was from uh the two thousand eighteen season, right when they went yes, ten right be- four, Right
3: before the Mac championship, yes.
2: And little did you know at that time that uh Three straight bowl appearances and two bowl wins later, Lance Leipold would be the new head coach at Kansas. Well, Rachel, I uh, truly appreciated your time today. Thank you so much for hopping on and uh, sharing some of your insight with us. All
3: right. Well, thanks for having me. And again, you know, my husband and I both miss Lawrence, so you know, I I hope Lance can enjoy it out there as well
2: too. Okay. Well, you have to come back and uh, and see the new coach up up close and personal. All right. Thanks a
3: lot, guys.
2: Thank you. That is Rachel Lindsay of the Buffalo News. You know. It it takes a, a special type of individual to, to take to want this job. It takes an even more unique individual to be successful at it. And on the surface, Leipold seems as well equipped to be that guy as anyone that we've seen. But even to that point, you know, when he breaches stability and, you know, continuity, consistency there are going to be things that are going to happen along the way and probably sooner than we think that are going to hit him in the face and go, oh, okay, oh, so this is how bad it is. Okay, I knew it was bad. Now I get to experience. Like, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. And when that happened to previous head coaches, I mean, David Beatty is the one that comes to mind for me. What'd they do? Altered course. Okay, I know I said this thing, but I didn't know it was like this, so now I'm going to change it. All right, hopefully... That won't be the case with this guy. And if there's any guy who I would have faith won't be that, it's Lance Leipold. But we're going to have to wait and see. We'll let you hear more from Lance Leipold coming up in the next hour. we got RCST Trivia coming your way next. And we've also got David Lesky, who's going to join us to talk some Royals baseball. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. (laughs) Quick shout out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill of mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their Crowlers. RCSD Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at TGBrews.com. All right, we've finally done it. We have done it. We have made it to the round of 16, the sizzling 16. So the field of 16 set, everybody who's made it into this round has already made it into the prize pool. But as you know by now with RCST Trivia, the prizes only get bigger and better as you advance throughout the round. So everybody who made it to this round got $20 to CBD of Lawrence as well as an RCST t-shirt. Everybody who wins this week and makes it on to the great eight will be winning An Adidas RCST hat. So, like, it's not just, like, we didn't just go and and find the cheapest hat we could find. We got high-quality craftsmanship Adidas three-stripes RCST custom hat, courtesy of Riverette Print and Skate. You're going to win $40 to Hawaiian Bros. You're going to win $25 to 23rd Street Brewery. And most importantly, you're going to get automatic entry into RCST Trivia 2022. One of our contestants knows a little bit about that because... He made it to the round of 8 last year. The other guy made it to the round of 16. So we got one guy trying to get back to the promised land, another guy trying to break through and get there for the first time. This is the chalkiest region that we have through the first two rounds. The Midwest region, we've got a 1 seed, a 2 seed, a 3 seed, and a 5 seed. Right now, it's the 2-3 matchup between Connor and Ryan. We, we heard from both of these guys late last week. So a quick turnaround here for this next game. Connor, do you feel like that's a good thing to not have some rust build up to get right back at it here for your next matchup?
4: I mean, I haven't had any rust build up, but I drove fourteen hundred miles the past two days, so the fatigue, the, the game day fatigue is definitely set in. So we'll see what I got, but
2: how do you I can how, feel how do you tiredness? Yeah, how do you shake off the fatigue? How do you kind of get yourself back into the groove?
4: Just got things. Looking forward to Isaac, he wins his next game for that rematch, is trying to get me through this.
2: Okay. Well, first and foremost, you got somebody Who's trying to pull off a bit of an upset here? The three seed, Ryan. Ryan, you're back in the Sizzling 16. You lost in this round a year ago. Do you feel better prepared to plow through the Sizzling 16, make it to your first ever Grade 8?
5: I mean, I would say I definitely feel better prepared. Uh, still got a tough opponent. You know, last year it was Tate. This year it's Connor. And I just want to start off today by by throwing out a quick apology to Connor because last week after I won my match out, I jumped the gun maybe and said I was excited to get a shot, hopefully to play Isaac in a couple rounds.
0: Mm.
5: Hope I didn't create any bulletin board material. Uh, hopefully Connor didn't think I was overlooking him. I take all my opponents very seriously. I'm uh, looking forward to it, uh, to a great matchup.
2: Well, it's probably good that you, uh, you rectified that. Otherwise, Connor could have been out for blood, but then again, you could be the one out for blood. Connor's the one who said he's fatigued, so maybe you're smelling blood in the water. Who knows? Both of these guys have a great record. Connor comes in all-time, 11-2. and two. Ryan at 10-1, and one, but has not missed a question yet this year. 5-0 and oh, so far in 2021 RCST trivia. Let's see if he can keep that unbeaten streak alive. You guys are our first matchup of the sizzling 16, and by now you seem to be uh, pretty well aware of how this is going to work. Nothing changes from the last round to this round. Everything's still the same. Going to get progressively difficult questions as you guys advance through these rounds. We will go until one of you guys gets one right, one of you guys gets one wrong. Still got 30 seconds on the clock. We're still going to play that five-second timer, which you don't need to hear by now because you've probably heard it enough times. Connor, Ryan, first matchup of this round. You guys ready to roll or what? Let's do it. All right, Connor, don't fall asleep, man, okay? Yeah, a I won't like 10 minutes
4: ago.
2: <laughs> a few minutes left. You're going to be fine. Okay. Ryan, you are a slight underdog as the three seed to the two seed. You're a slight underdog. So do you want to answer first or second?
5: I'm going to go against what would uh, be traditional wisdom. And I've, every matchup I've won so far, I've gone first. So I'm going to stick with it.
2: There you go. Well, here's your first question then, Ryan. Ryan, Wilt Chamberlain owns the KU record for most total rebounds in a season. Coming in at second on that list is a Bill Self big man who pulled down 463 boards in 2012. Who was that All-American big man?
5: Thomas Robinson.
2: Thomas Robinson is correct. Connor, question number one for you. Next on that list, most total rebounds in a season with 423 total rebounds, was another All-American big man, this time from the 2002 season under head coach Roy Williams. Like Thomas Robinson, this player went pro after their junior season. What was his name? Drew Gooden. That's right, Drew Gooden. I still wonder what it would have been like in 03, even though I guess
4: they made it to the title. He averaged
2: like
4: 11.7 or something.
2: Yeah, it was pretty impressive, Drew Gooden. Is correct. One for one for both you guys. Now, Ryan, we're going back to you for your second question. Ryan, in the 2012 National Championship game against Kentucky, KU hit just five three-pointers, but a team-best three of them came from this junior guard.
5: Go Elijah Johnson.
2: Elijah Johnson is correct. See the, the key context clue there was junior. Otherwise, uh, you may have been pushed to guess. Uh, Ty Tyshon, I guess, would be the, the first guess. Honestly,
5: but, my my first guess was Tihan. So yeah. he said junior, and saved you there.
2: Yep, yeah, that's a big that's a big clue there. Okay, Connor, back to you. Another strong shooter for Kansas, wound up winning Big 12 Freshman of the Year In 1999. What was his name? Um, Boshi. That is correct. Jeff Boshi. All right, two for two. This is what we expect in a sizzling 16 matchup. You guys came to play. Two fierce competitors duking it out for a shot at the great eight and some of those fantastic prizes. Here we go, boys. 2-3 matchup in the Midwest region between Connor and Ryan. Ryan, we go back to you for your third question. Darnell Valentine was KU's first ever McDonald's All-American. Their second was a 7-foot-1-inch center who initially went to Wichita State but played his final three seasons at Kansas from 1983 to 1986. Who was it? I got I got
5: nothing, man. Mm.
2: Wow. Oh! The cor- the correct answer, Ryan, is Greg Dryling. Greg Dryling. Well, I actually had the pleasure of uh tying one on with one time when he was back in Lawrence. We were out to like two AM what drinking. What was his drink of choice? Oddly enough, he started with beer, and then I think he switched to vodka Red Bull. Oh, that's the wrong way. They say liquor before beer.
0: You're in the clear beer before Okay, what are you, 18 years,
2: years old? Okay, I don't think you're that's saying.
4: actually... That's, that's the hobby
2: drink there. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> scientifically proven. Okay, Connor, if you get this right, you're moving on, and you're making it back to the grade eight for the second straight year. Here's your question, Connor. First and second on the KU all-time assists list, Are Aaron Miles and Jacques Vaughn. Third on that list, played at Kansas from 1984 to 1987, three seasons with the aforementioned Greg Dryling. What was this guard's name?
4: I want to say Adonis Jordan, but he was in the 90s, I believe. A. Manning was a big guy. Um, this is where my knowledge is weak. We're going to go Adonis Jordan just I have nothing else
2: to say. No, not Adonis Jordan. You were right in your, uh, in your instincts. Adonis Jordan played in the 90s. The yeah. correct answer was Cedric Hunter. Cedric Hunter, third yeah. all-time in assists. Had a really strong senior season. 16 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, which would normally be good enough for conference player of the year. And except for he played with Danny Manning, who averaged like 25 and That's like 10. stats that could win National Player of the Year. Yeah, honestly. But uh, nope, not that year. Okay, you guys are both still alive. Those were some tough ones. We went back to the 80s. You see the 80s, the early 80s, before they actually started competing for titles. That's sort of the forgotten era of Kansas basketball. We're going to go back to you now, Ryan. Ryan, what KU player? One Big 12 tournament most outstanding player in 2018 after the Jayhawks defeated West Virginia in the Big 12 final.
5: Malik Newman.
2: Yeah, people always think about Malik in the NCAA tournament, but you forget that uh, he was also really, really good in the conference tournament. That's kind of where that run to end the season started for Malik. All right, back on track, Ryan. Now, Connor, you need this one to stay alive. Connor, in 2013, what KU player won Big 12 Tournament Most Outstanding Player after they took down Kansas State 70-54 to to give them their third win over the Wildcats that year?
4: Oh, He was a freshman, but I want to say him. Um, we'll go with Ben Macklemore.
2: Connor, yeah. the correct answer, the correct answer, Jeff Withey. Jeff Withy, yeah. won the Big 12 Tournament Most Outstanding Player. And that is it, folks. Ryan wins the matchup. He is moving on to the Great Eight in the Midwest region. First, I want to go uh, to our loser. And I hate, I, I say that endearingly, Connor, because you talked about you had a long road trip. Where, where were you coming from? Why, why were you driving 1,400 miles?
4: Uh, I went in Denver to Portland for a clinical, and I didn't know what my schedule would be the rest of the week, so I made it work for Ryan's schedule, so a little bit of fatigue, but it's all good.
2: My goodness. So do you feel like, now that that it's in the rearview mirror, do you feel like the fatigue played a factor?
4: Yeah, I'm absolutely exhausted. (laughs) I woke up like 20 minutes ago. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's been brutal, but it is what it is, but sucks. Oh, well.
2: Do you feel motivated? I mean, you, you fell short of, of what you did a season ago. Some people are saying maybe your best is behind you. Maybe you're a little bit washed up. That's not what I'm saying. That's what some of the haters out there are saying. Are you going to be back to silence them? And what message do you have for for all your critics?
4: Yeah, just come back next year, try it again, learn a little bit more about the 80s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that, that's the weakest point right there. I got yep. one 80s question. I missed one, but oh well.
2: Connor, you you did great. You're a great competitor. Made it back to the sizzling sixteen, clearly worthy. Ryan, you broke through. You make it to the grade eight. It was uh, it was it was dicey there. Greg Dryling had you on the ropes, but you were able to bounce back with Malik Newman. How do you feel,
5: man? You told me the answer, Greg Dryling. Ringing any bells? Uh, but man felt uh felt like it was all coming to an end there uh connor got a question that that second question he got i wouldn't have got either uh we got the bounce back with malik newman and then uh man just just threw it up and uh shot one in and headed on to the next round excited to face the titan of the tournament in isaac and uh feel like it'll either be it'll be historical one way or the other you know either will be a, i'll be the first guy to take down isaac or i'll be the first guy to lose to isaac and tate so uh we'll see what happens there i love that everybody's just assuming isaac yeah he, like hasn't win even, their, he hasn't you know? even
2: beaten kyle yet and once again ryan this is becoming a trend with you once again you have overlooked a potential opponent giving absolutely no credit to to connor before today now you're giving no credit to kyle so I would just watch what you're saying right now. It's dangerous man, territory.
5: If, if Kyle wins today, I'm super toast now. Just <laughs> just gave him all the ammo he needs.
2: <laughs> well, great job, Ryan. Congratulations. We'll see you in the next round. Connor, great job as always. Get some sleep, man. Okay? You look like you need it. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. MLS is back. After finishing at the top of the Western Conference last season, Sporting Kansas City is ready to take the field and paint the wall this year. And if you haven't heard Sporting Kansas City, will be welcoming a limited capacity crowd again this season. To watch Sporting Kansas City live and in person this year, go to seatgeek.com slash SKC. And because you're a listener of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, use the code SKC RCST at checkout to get an exclusive discount on tickets. Again, use the code SKC RCST at checkout and receive an exclusive discount. For our listeners at checkout. We'll see you at Children's Mercy Park. RCSD Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785-749-4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast.
0: Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Stock and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact d johnson at gpmnow.com that's d johnson at gpmnow.com but
2: this is actually a fun time because there were a few stinkers in there like i'm talking years including the last couple where it just was rather lackluster when we're having these conversations sometimes felt like at least i was going through the motions you always brought it but as the royals went through the motions i i reflected that energy but i feel like the energy level has risen this year
1: well, yeah, and, and, and those times brought us to tonight. A first-place team with their either top or second-best pitching prospect, depending on what, what rankings you look at, making the start at home against a division rival. I mean, it, we this, this is why we dealt with those bad times together, and now we get to talk about Daniel Lynch and, and the first-place Royals on May 3rd. That's, that's kind of fun, right?
2: Yeah, so can you explain the significance of that, not just of Lynch, one of the Royals' top prospects, making his debut tonight, but doing it, as you mentioned, for a team 16-10 and 10 in first place?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I wrote this on Friday, that I think one of the things that we've learned from the start of the season is that there will be increased urgency in the organization this season. And that can mean promoting prospects quicker. That can mean going out and you know, if, if it's if it's late July and they need the Johnny Cueto trade, um, and by the way, Cueto could be available again, for what it's worth. Um, if they need that guy, they might go out and get him. Because the, the one thing the Royals organization has shown that um, I think some people might disagree with in some ways, but it's that if you have a chance to win, you grab it, and you do whatever you can to win because you don't know what's going to happen the next season. And and, and that urgency is, is one of the reasons why we're seeing Daniel Lynch up in the big leagues tonight. Part of it is the bullpen has a need. And so it's weird. Do you, you bring up a starter because the bullpen has a need. How does that work? Well, they're moving Jacob Junis to the bullpen for a little bit. And, and some people think, well, he's been great as a starter. Yeah, but, you know, starting rotation has been fine, really, outside of Brad Keller. Um, Jacob Junis, though, can profile as a guy who can give you two or three innings at a, at a time. And so it's kind of the perfect mix to get him in the bullpen with Kyle Zimmer on the injured list. Daniel Lynch has apparently been pitching incredibly well at the alternate site. And look, the Indians aren't exactly a good offense. so It's it's not a bad time to bring him up. They struggle against lefties on top of the fact that they they struggle against everybody, but lefties especially. And so it's a good chance to get his feet wet. And um, I I find it, because I'm a nerd, I find it interesting that he – this is the most excited I've been about a pitching debut since Giordano Ventura who they called up to face the Cleveland Indians in 2013. So there's that parallel too, but it's um, it it just kind of shows where they are this season and their, and their thought process. And it's hard to argue with it the way they've played.
2: Okay. As a pitcher, what can you tell us about Lynch? What should we look out for? What should we expect to see?
1: Well, he's a big lefty. Um, So a lot of times with big lefties, you see some control issues and he, he will fall into bad, some bad counts here and there, but I mean, he's going to sit 95 to 97. He'll hit. I, I bet he hits triple ditch tonight because he's amped up. Um, you will probably see a 100 mile per hour fastball from a Royal starter for the first time in a long time. Um, he's a really, really good slider. When it's on, it's pretty much unhittable. Um, his changeup has gotten a lot better. I haven't seen it, so I don't want to speak too too. Um, you know, too too big about it because I haven't seen it. But it's everything I've heard is that it looks really really good right now. Um, and his curve is kind of a get me over curve, which I have a hunch he might throw once, and then it gets hit, and he says never mind, <laughs> and, and doesn't throw it again. So um, really, but yeah, you're really looking at the fastball slider with him. Um, the changeup has come along from, like I said, from what I've heard, enough that it it can be a really solid third pitch for him. Um, he knows how to pitch. He's a smart guy um you know like I said the velocity will stand out but the slider is is the pitch that's really fun to watch with him
2: does does he make this rotation tangibly better or is that not even really the question or the point of bringing him up right now
1: um you know i don't I don't think he makes the rotation better um well I don't think he's going to provide more than junas provided in junas's three or four starts that said I think he makes the pitching staff better um and so you know that's it's hard to quantify that because you don't know when they're going to need Jacob Junis out of the bullpen and all that. Um, but I think he, he gives the Royals at, at, at worst 80% probably of what Junis was giving them or what he was likely to give them moving forward at best. I think Lynch has ace potential, so it could be a huge improvement in the rotation. You know, it's hard to say that for sure right now, but the other side of it too, is he's getting experience this year. I mean, he's, He's going to be under team control now through what? 2027 at this point. So he's getting big league experience in games that matter as far as may games can go. And, and so even if he doesn't make, you know, they're kind of surprising and right. If, if you were to ask 50 people who follow baseball, will the Royals hold off the white Sox? I'm guessing like 49 would say no. And maybe one would say yes. Um, I mean, I don't think they will hold off the White Sox. (laughs) I think the White Sox are a better team. But, you know, if Daniel Lynch is really good, that might change the answer. But also, even if they don't hold off the White Sox, he's getting this great experience for when they are going to be a better team, when they have Bobby Witt Jr. in the big leagues and their offense is a little bit better, when they go out and maybe get a free agent next year to fill in whatever hole they decide, you know, all that stuff. And so even if it isn't a huge improvement right now, this is really helpful moving forward because
2: getting your feet wet is important. Big picture, how do you sort of view and perceive this? What we're seeing right now, I and mean, it started last season in, in the shortened year when you saw uh, Singer and Bubich come up, and now you've got Lynch, and you're sort of looking down the pipeline. Okay, Jackson, Coar, Bobby Witt Jr. Like this, this farm system that the Royals have been building over the last couple of years. We're finally starting to see the, the fruits of that labor. How would you compare that to the last time that we were really here, which was about a decade ago, right, when we, yeah. saw, when we saw Hosmer and Moose and Salvi all sort of coming up at, at the same time? How would you kind of compare what we're seeing right now with this farm system finally making it to the majors to when we saw that back in the early t- the 2010s? Well,
1: I think we, we're either coming up on Hosmer's call update or we passed it, the anniversary. Um, I know he got a ten-year card, so uh, whatever it is, he, I mean, it, this is actually pretty similar timing as far as far as guys coming to the big leagues. Um, that group was probably higher, higher, bigger accolades, higher accolades than this group. Um, obviously, they were the number one farm system in this. But it's, it's basically more, but
2: offense versus arms, right? Like that's the big difference, yeah, for too, the right? Most
1: part, although, but keep in mind that that one. That the the twenty eleven. Think about this. It was Mike Montgomery, Danny Duffy, John Lamb, uh, Chris Dwyer was one of the arms. Yeran Ventura was starting to be talked about, maybe slightly at that time. So it was a little more balanced. I don't. I don't. I don't know. There was necessarily all that before and all arms now. But um, the arm. I, I feel like the Royals' pitching development has improved. <laughs> I mean, we think about we we saw all of those guys in the majors, obviously, but. Duffy's the only one, well, Montgomery had a minor league deal. I'm not sure where he's sitting, but he, he's, Duffy's the only one of the majors right now of all of those guys. Um, you know, <laughs> not 10 years is a long time, but at the same time when you're that highly regarded, you would think two of them would, would be still making an impact in the big leagues. And so I, I think we're seeing a better development system with a slightly lesser lesser farm system. And so I, I guess we're really going to find out what's more important. Is it the pedigree or is it the instruction? Because the pedigree is not quite as good. Although Bobby Witt Jr. is as highly ranked in some, in some lists as guys like Moose and Will Myers and Eric Cosmer were. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is a much, much arm, much more arm heavy system. A um, lot of, a lot of pitchers <laughs> and, I and mean, we've talked about this. You can name ten and still have twelve more to name. Basically, another guy, Alec Marsh. I would not be surprised if we see him I mean, later this season. I wouldn't be too surprised, but next year, I mean, I think he's he's going to burst on the scene as well. So there's there's just a ton of guys we don't even talk about, and, and that's kind of the difference. Last the last system, it was the top end was was deep, but once you got past that, it was kind of what's left, you know. And now you have a top end of the system and then the middle of the system is still pretty deep. And then it's still pretty deep. When you get into the 18, 19, 20 ranking, you didn't have that before. And so there's a lot more depth. And like I said, I I think the development system is much improved over the last decade. So that's going to help too. Um, You know, Lynch isn't the last guy we're going to see debut this season. I, I don't, I don't know who's next, but there there's two, three, four, five more, I think that will come up at some point. And, it kind of depends on what where they are in the standings. You know, if if they're if they're still hanging around at the top of the division, uh, you know, whenever they need somebody, they're going to go get it. Um, might might change a little bit if they fall back, if they're two games under 500 and six games out at the end of June. Yeah, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't push a guy like Marsh. But you know, if they need him and and, and they have the you know, they have a chance to win the division, win, win a wild card spot, and they're going to go get him. And so we're going to see a lot of these guys this season. My guess, I think they have a longer, more more sustained and successful run than that last group. Which I mean, they may not win a World Series, but I think they're going to see much. I think they're going to see more overall record success than that last group did.
2: Yeah, I, I forgot that, that Danny Duffy was uh, was a part of that group. He's one of the old guys on the team yeah. now. But man, Saturday was—I mean, once again, just another installment of this dude having an incredible start to the season. Seven innings. One run off two hits, three walks. This guy's been great, and I don't really know what else to add to it other than: Do you are, are you starting to maybe move more towards the side of okay, this is more than just a hot start, and this is a guy who is either pitching with confidence or found something different? Like, like what are you seeing in him in terms of sustainability with how great he's been through his first five starts?
1: So I, I kind of look at this twin start with him as the barometer, if he could get through that. And I was thinking two runs in six innings, you know, not, not bad. we not even average, you know, above average, but not, not amazing. Then I'm, I'm going to just completely be all in on Danny Duffy. And then he goes out and he does what he did. <laughs> like, well, I, there's really no option here. I, I think this is real. The only thing that concerns me, he, his velocity is up because it seems like he is giving everything on every pitch from pitch one to pitch 100, That concerns me a little bit as far as him staying healthy throughout the season, because he really hasn't ever stayed healthy throughout a whole season. Um, But I also think that there's going to be a lot of kind of manipulating innings this year. And that's by the way, part of the reason Junis is in the bullpen right now, they won't say it probably, but I think that's a big part of the reason. Maybe Duffy goes to the bullpen (laughs) for a little bit. Now he's not going to do it when he's putting up a 0.6 ERA. So that that's not happening anytime soon, but you know, maybe they work his innings a little bit to the point that it, it doesn't impact anything. But that's that's kind of my only concern. But he's holding velocity deep into games. His curve has been his curve and slider both have been really good. His changeup we talk about all the time has been phenomenal. Um, I mean, he's he's just he's doing everything right. And and look, he's not the first lefty to, to figure it out in his low thirties. You think about a guy like and it's not not common, obviously. But think about a guy like Cliff Lee. He was. I think demoted the year before he won the Cy Young with the Indians um, and then went on to have, like, five or six more seasons before he just finally broke down. Um, this happens. Lefties figure it out late. It would not surprise me if Andy Duffy has figured it out late. I, I don't think he's going to keep up a .6 ERA all year. If he does, I feel pretty good about the Royals winning the division. But I, I think what he's doing is sustainable as long as he can stay on the mound.
2: Well, I, I thought you were going to say you feel confident about him winning the Cy Young as well, which I would – I'd I'd double down. I'd say win the division and Danny Duffy wins the Cy Young. Oh, yeah.
1: He's going to win the – he's already got the Cy Young locked up. Don't, okay. I'm not even worried Sorry. That. Okay. That's just a waste of our time to talk about.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, then let's end it on a, on a, on a negative note then um, because the flip side of Danny Duffy's season has been the regression of Brad Keller, which continued over the weekend. What, what are the Royals' options right now at this point? Do you let this guy work through it, or do you have to make a change for him to go somewhere and get right?
1: I mean, at this point, I don't know how you can let him just stay stay out there. Unless you see something specific that's easy to fix. Because sometimes it really is. Sometimes it's very simple. I think about a guy like Kevin Gausman for the, the Giants now. Uh, the Orioles wanted him on the third base side of the rubber forever. And I don't, I don't know if it was the Braves or somewhere he went. might have been the Giants when he got there last year. They said, hey, move over to the middle of the rubber. And ever since then, he's been dominant. Like, little tiny changes can make a huge difference. And so, if they see that, and if they say, all right, we want to give it a couple of starts to see how this works. Okay, <laughs> I get it. But, look, the minor league season starts tomorrow. Um, Keller obviously wouldn't start tomorrow or anything. But, I mean, they, they've... Omaha's got a hole in their rotation now because Daniel Lynch is here. I don't know. It seems like this would be a good time to make that move. Give him four starts in AAA. Figure something out. It's easy to forget. He was not good at the end of spring training either. And so this is not just like the start of the regular season happened. You know, one of those things at the time, you're you're, okay, spring training, he's working on something, whatever. But then that first inning on opening day, and then the second start and the third start was, was good. And the fourth start was bad and the third start was okay. And then Saturday or yesterday was bad again. Look, if you're, this goes back with the urgency. If you're, if you're winning, if you think you can win, you can't have a guy who throws stinkers out there two thirds of the time. You can't. And and with the minor league season, it gives him a chance to pitch in games. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think he's probably still going to make his next start. But if, if you told me breaking, this just came out, they've demoted Brad Keller. I wouldn't be surprised in the least either. So, I don't know what they're going to do. I think I personally would give him some time in AAA. He's got options. But like I said, if they think it's a very small change, all right, let's see it. But you're seeing it against the White Sox, which that's a good offense. I'd much rather Keller gets to face the Indians, um, but it just didn't line up that way. So his next start is going to be against the White Sox. I guess if they think there's something to fix, we'll really know if it works because that's a good offense. Um, but I I have my doubts right now. I just feel like there's – I feel like there's enough going on that he needs a little
2: reset. He is David Lesky. You can check out his work at Royals Review. Subscribe to his Substack inside the crown. Hear him here every Monday, usually at 340, today at 440. So just tune in next week to find out what time David's going to talk to us. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks, Nick. All righty, that's David Lesky. Two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk.